Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today, I'm sitting down with Jack Bosch. How are you doing, Jack? I'm doing excellent. How are you, RJ? Oh, honored to be sitting down with the land guy. You know, I mean, this is, you're, you're a legend in this industry. Well, I don't know, but thank you very much. <laughs> so uh, let, let's just jump into it, man. I, I want to get as much out of this interview as possible. You've been in the, you've been in the business for quite some time. Um, so why don't you just take a couple minutes here to kind of share your story of how you got started in real estate investing? Sure, absolutely. So um, I'll be happy to do that. So I got started by basically being unhappy in my job, right? So like so many people, uh, they, I read a statistic the other day that like 70 or 80% of the people are unhappy in their jobs and they're they're ready to move to another job if the right opportunity comes up. Well, I was in that same situation. The only thing is that I had realized that another job is not going to be the solution because another job is just going to be uh, fine and new excitement and a novelty for three months. And then it's going to be the same, the same old stuff. So right. I really came to the conclusion also by seeing people left and right being fired around me because the company I worked for let go of 3,000 people of the 7,000 people that worked there within a matter of a year. And they really wow. did that in a matter of three days spread around the year. So one day they shut down the network and a thousand people were gone. Like if your phone rang and your boss, or my boss worked in a different office, uh, called, you were fired. And, and literally people, two cubicles over, three cubicles over, got up, packed their stuff, said bye and left. And I was like, my life at that time, because coming from Europe, the way this all works is completely different. So, um, so all of that was a big fat wake up call. And I was like, I didn't like my job. I didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like being away from my wife because it was a hundred percent travel job. And, uh, and, and then I saw that how quickly you can be fired. And I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. On top of it, I was, uh, I was, I was full uh, up to the, my neck in debt because what do you do? Right. The American dream, you go buy a house, <laughs> right. You get in a bunch of debt, you buy a nicer car than my 13-year-old uh, Honda, oh, no, what is it, the Toyota Camry that was falling apart. Um, bought myself a nicer, nicer car. Now I had a car payment, right? I had a house payment. I had all these different things. And and I wasn't making a whole bunch of money there. It, sounds, it sounded like it was a good position, but I was making $45,000 a year, which is not that much, right? Right. And and at the end of the day, I was two weeks vacation, and I just I just hated it. So I got so we looked around. We we came across real estate. We had no idea about it. We dabbled for literally two and a half years with all kinds of stuff, with tax liens, tax deeds, with with uh, with with wholesaling of uh, of houses, and we failed miserably because we knew nothing about real estate. But once we came across our method, which actually is what almost nobody else does, which is land and lot flipping, we were successful because with land and lot flipping, you don't have to worry about tenants, toilets, termites, about foundation repairs, roof repairs, electric repairs, mold, uh, toilet repairs, kitchen upgrades, all of that stuff, contractors, mortgages, none of that stuff matters because if you can take a $30,000, in this case, my first deal was a 
$8,000 property that I got a piece of land uh, that I next to a house across the street from another house that I got on a contract for $400 because the seller just wanted to move away, garage sale mentality, just let's get rid of it. And I sold it to the neighbor for $4,000 that same day. Wow. Okay, so let's talk about that. What What is land flipping and and how do you make it a lucrative investment opportunity? Because you know, I, I think for a lot of people, it's like, okay, well, in that one situation, you quote unquote got lucky. But a lot of entrepreneurs, I think we all feel like we get lucky every now and then. But how did you turn land flipping into an actual business? Yeah, so so that's what we thought too when we got started. I, I'm 100% in agreement with you. Uh, when we got that deal, we were like, oh my God, this works. But is it <laughs> luck, right? Is it is it just a fluke? Well, two weeks later, we got another deal for $500 that we sold for $10,000, made a $9,500 profit. And in the first year, we did 63 deals while still having a job for the majority of the year. So at that time, we knew it wasn't a fluke. It was actually something that is extremely predictable that you can literally make into a business. But uh, but to your question, uh, how does that work or how do you make land into an asset class that you can deal with? Well, if you look at it, uh, it, it you've got to focus on the right kind of land um, because absolutely there's junk land out there. There's there's the the, the swamp land and uh, the land that you can't even get to other than with a helicopter and, and right. that kind of stuff. That's not what we're dealing with. Now, that's not what we're talking about. But what we realized is that there's three kinds of land that is extremely desirable for buyers, yet at the same time, you can pick them up really cheap uh, and without the whole, without yes, with effort, but with uh, with much less effort than the house house guys uh, do that. And that is number one, infill lots. Infill lots. We just we have a deal right now that we bought. We put on a contract for ninety two thousand dollars. We sold it for two hundred twenty thousand dollars. Nice. We have a deal on a contract in Beverly Hills, right off Mullahone Drive, or whatever you call that main <laughs> kind of that that the, the main road in Beverly Hills. And uh, and right off that road that we have in our contract for $305,000 and uh, we're, it's worth $1.2 million and we're listing it right now for $600,000. Nice. Right? So, so this we have, we, at the same time, we've done deals where we bought properties for 100 bucks and sold them for 3,000, right? So it's, it's the, the full gamut of it, but, but with infill lots, uh, usually you, you're there, they're in a little bit on the higher end. The second kind of property we focus on is the properties in the path of growth, like two, three, five, maximum, let's say 10 miles outside of a bigger city. Okay. The city, ideally a bigger city that is growing. So you look at Atlanta, Georgia, it's one of the fastest growing cities in the United States. You look at Phoenix, you look at Denver, you look at uh, Miami, you look at LA, they're all growing cities, right? Uh, you look at uh, Dallas for that matter, you're, in, you're, right. you're over there, right? Yeah. Uh, it's growing leaps and bounds uh, left and right. So if you go outside of that city, an acre in the city, an acre is worth $500,000. In the city, an acre is worth, outside of the city, just a few miles out, it's only worth $50,000. Well, if you go out a few miles like that, you end at thirty dollars to $80,000 or $30,000 to $100,000 uh, price range. And there's a lot of people who own these properties for 30 years that don't want them. They might have passed away. The heirs own them. The heir is in, in Miami living the Vida Loca and doesn't care about the property and they're wanting to get rid of it. The same exact concept as with houses, just that even there's more people let their properties go because there's no immediate use that they can put that land to. And if they just own it, it actually costs them property taxes. 
And the third kind of property is like the large acreage where it's really interesting and uh, very attractive to the RV people, the campers, the, the, the dirt bikers, the ATV people uh, that like to go out there and just horse around and have a lot of fun. And uh, I mean, who wouldn't want to have a two acre, let's say 10 acre parcel, 20 acres, north, two hours north of Atlanta in the hills with trees and a creek going through it where they can have fun and, and, and just like put a cabin up there or put their RV up there. So right. when you focus on these three kinds of properties, there's a huge market for them, yet there's hundreds of thousands of them that you can pick up from buyers. And, uh, and then we just uh, basically take it off the hands of somebody who no longer wants it, who doesn't see the value in it, and you pass it on to somebody who, who wants exactly that. And, and basically, that's what we do. So you're essentially, you're still finding motivated sellers. Yes. It's just the motivation usually is they're tired of owning it because the, yes. they're, they're not making any money off of it. Exactly right. So they're tired of owning it. They're tired of paying property taxes. Now, most continue paying property taxes. Most of these properties are free and clear. They're not on the market. Most of them are not listed on the MLS. They're just owned. So what we do is we get a list from a list broker or from the county of the properties that we're going after, that we like to go after, and then we send them a direct mail piece. So we do kind of what a lot of the house flippers are doing right. with the difference that for probably every 500 house flippers out there, there's only one guy, that one person that does what we do. So there's a very minimal amount of competition there. There's perhaps five to 10 counties around the country where there is uh, where there is a little bit of competition, where there's a bunch of people doing what we do, and most of them probably have been taught by me, but 98% of the co country is completely almost competition-free. Gotcha. So let me ask you this. You know, I, I buy a lot of houses, and right. when when somebody calls me, the, the formula that we use is we come up with what the ARV is, and depending on the location, we multiply that by 60, 70, 80% of the ARV, and then we subtract our repairs, and that's our offer. How do you come up with an offer on land? I mean, is, it, is there a simple formula that people can use? Yes, uh, there is, uh, and that is... Um... I don't want you to give away too much of your program, but just, no, you no, know... No, 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 that's okay. I mean, the yeah, thing I mean, is... Just for are... somebody that gets a lead, you know, it's like, hey... This person's tired of owning this. How did they come up with an offer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm not afraid of giving anything away. That my, my realist, uh, my 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 philosophy in life, and that's why we share this uh, with the world here, and that's why we have a, a course and educational program and 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 live events and things like that is uh, because there is an abundance of deals. I mean. If I were to be worried about competition, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be sharing this with the world out there. I mean, we're looking to do uh, about 180 deals this year uh, and ourselves. And and again, most of them, there's absolutely no competition. So so the thing is, the way we do this is very. There is an absolute method to to figure out the value, and it's actually very similar in large parts, very similar to to the housing world. And um, and and that is first, we look for sold comps. Right. If we can find the sold comparables and ideally the areas that you want to focus on are areas where properties are selling and we're selling ideally, hopefully very quickly. Right. So so therefore you should be seeing some sold comparables. And let's say if you have an acre uh, that's or five acres in the outskirts of town and there's another five properties that are five acres that have sold and they have sold for, let's say, 40 to forty five thousand dollars. You take 40 as your value and you move on. You have your value. Then what you do is you apply a, a percentage of that. We have a, just like you have a rule with like the 60, 65% plus right. costs and so on. 
We have a rule that uh, it's a sliding scale. So the lower the property value, the lower the percentage we offer. And we even created the software that we uh, that our students, are like a, a software that our students get with the program, a little software that where they literally put in uh, the the price that they uh, deal analyzer basically, where they put in the price, the value of the property, and it shows them what to offer. And um, and but in essence, is if somebody offers, let's say, if we find out that the property is worth five grand. Now, personally, I don't even deal in the five grand properties anymore if I can avoid it because right. it's not worth my time really. But uh, but we have a bunch of students that are making a really nice living buying $5,000 properties for 200 bucks and selling them for four grand. And they're making, even after closing costs, they're making, uh, making $3,000 per deal. They do 20 deals, 30 deals a year, and they're making almost uh, making a very good living with it, right? Right. And, and, and in between, one of our students has done uh, $70,000 in profits with deals like that in the last five months, right? I mean, it's not, not bad. I mean, but uh, the point is it's actually very exciting because she's a waitress and she's been living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, and now she has $70,000 in the bank and doesn't have to worry about it anymore. But the point is, if, I, if a property is worth $5,000, and we cannot afford to offer $2,000 for it. Because after closing costs, if I want to sell that thing, I'm going to make 100 bucks on it. That's right. not worth it. But I can make a deal like that work if I offer $200 for it. So literally, like, what is that? That's like $200 is like $4,800 difference. Or, yeah. yeah, that's like, what is that in percentage? That's like a 4% of market value. <laughs> right. right? So you offer, let's say, $250, it's, it's 5% of market value. So you offer $250 for a property like that. After closing costs, you're in it for $1,000. If now you sell it for three, you made two grand, right? So you, and that's not exciting, two grand, but for a lot of people, it is, right? So like my first deal, I made $3,600, and I was about to screw, to be as excited as anyone, any human can be. <laughs> and and then because it was the first deal, right? And it made changed my life. This first deal doesn't mean, didn't make me wealthy, but it changed my mindset, changed my my confidence, changed my expectation, changed my changed my 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 grit, changed my my willingness to go out there and do more. I mean, it did so much for me, but it didn't make me wealthy. I mean, ultimately, in in eighteen months, we became millionaires. But anyway, so these uh, in that case. But if we have a hundred thousand dollar property. I can't offer $5,000 on a $100,000 property. Nobody will accept that. Right. So on a $100,000 property, we got to go up to the max or even above the max. So usually we say don't offer more than 25 cents on a dollar. But as soon as you get over like the $50,000, $75,000, it's okay. I mean, if it's a $100,000 property, can I offer thirty-five grand for it and then sell it to somebody else for sixty-five grand? Absolutely. Yeah, all day long, right? Right. And I'll make now. I don't make a tenfold return. I only make a ninety percent return, but it's thirty thousand dollars. So as the value of the property goes up, the percentage we offer goes from five to ten to fifteen to twenty to twenty-five percent, and then eventually uh, even above that a little bit. But below hundred thousand dollars, we like to stick to that five to twenty-five cents range. And again, the value. How to find the value is we. We go uh, do list uh, sold comps. If there's no sold comps, we look at listed comps. Listed comps give you a value. I mean, if all if there's five properties listed for forty thousand or forty-five thousand dollars, chances are the property is not going to be worth one hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's not going to be worth ten. It's going to be worth in that thirty-five, forty thousand dollar range. Because if somebody gives somebody who made a forty-five uh, listed for forty-five thousand dollars 
a $38,000 offer, they're probably going to accept it. So right. when it's listed comps, we take the listing price and we subtract about 15, 20% of that. And then we run with that. Yeah, and let me ask you this other, real quick. There's a few Wait. other ways assessed value plays a role. So we really have like five total ways that we determine the value of the property. But if you have sold comps, it's exactly the same as houses. Gotcha. Let me ask you this. When you get these properties under contract, are you attempting to wholesale them or are you closing on them with your own cash and then listing them on the MLS? So I, because I, we have done really well in this business and we continue doing really well in this business, I like to buy them myself. Okay. Because what I do is I might go into a subdivision now and I might buy 25 lots in that subdivision. So if I buy 25 lots in that subdivision, I don't want to turn around and put all 25 on the market at the same price at the same play at the same time, because it literally almost destroys my own market, right? So I'm competing with my own, with my own listings then. So instead, what I do is I like to buy them and then I put four out there, sell them. Then I put the next four out there, sell them. And so I put the next four out there, sell them until I'm sold out. And then I go back and buy some more. Our, but we do high volume, right? So we do 180, 200 deals a year and so on in, in some years. And the, high, the highest year we've done was 800 deals. Wow. So uh, when, when we, uh, but that included a lot of the low end deals. So we no longer do that. We rather do some, some uh, less deals, but more higher end deals. But uh, our average student actually does the wholesaling. So the average student just puts it on a contract, a contract, goes, markets it, and then does a double closing or an assignment at the end. Right. So I, I also know that you have a, an extreme passion for creating passive and active cash flow streams. So, you know, go into that. What I know you, you've talked about the forever cash financial philosophy. So touch base on that. And what does that mean? Yeah, so uh, over the years, we have uh, we have developed, we have realized a few things. Again, remember when we started out, we had no idea whatsoever what we were doing, uh, no 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 education on financials. My dad is a high school teacher, my mom is a stay-at-home mom. Uh, nobody in my family is an entrepreneur, so there I had no role model showing me how to build a business, how to think about wealth the proper way. But over, over the time doing this, we flipped and flipped and flipped and we made a bunch of money and we used it to pay off our debt and we used it to make some other investments. But then we realized that, that we also started selling properties with seller financing a lot. And that's actually the coolest thing. And I know you do seller financing too, but there's some it's distinct benefits to seller financing in land. Yep. And seller financing in land means that uh, is actually outside of the Dodd-Frank Act. So you don't have to do the mortgage originators kind of stuff and so on. You can just sell it outright. Nobody cares. And and it's also there's some benefits with the IRS. You're not subject to the dealer status. So you, your taxes, you only pay taxes on the money as it comes in. So overall, it's like it's it's a it's a perfect piece to use in, in the flipping and the seller financing world. So what we realized, though, is like flipping created what we call one-time cash. One-time cash is cash that you work for once and you get paid once. Seller financing, winning installment sales, allowed us that we took a property, uh, again, $30,000. Uh, we got, we saw, let's say, a property we bought for $3,000, sold it for $30,000. Value, $35. So we discounted a little bit, sold it for $30. They gave us a 20% down payment. So they gave us $6,000 down, but we only paid three for the property. 
So now, even with closing costs, closing costs might be $1,000. So I pay $3,000 for the property. I pay $1,000 for closing costs. But the same day, we do this the same day, the same day I buy it and I sell it, I get $6,000 back as a down payment. I'm $2,000 ahead of the game. And now the seller owes me, uh, the buyer owes me $24,000 and pays that in monthly payments of $500 over the next eight years. So, so now this method, we realized, allows us to have cash flow from land, for that matter. I mean, everyone's number one criticism of land is it says it doesn't cash flow. Well, you can make it cash flow if you sell it to sell a financing. And then you now have cash flow coming in for the next eight years. However, Let me ask you on, real, real quick, on, the, on yes. the seller financing of land, what is a typical interest rate in the length of the note? You, you mentioned eight years there. Is that a typ typical length of the, the note? Uh, yeah. So again, even there, we have a sliding scale. We have a sliding scale of very short or small loans. We want to do over like three years, gotcha. the little bigger ones over five years. But if somebody does a deal for like a $100,000 deal that we buy, buy for $10,000 or for $20,000 and they give us a $20,000 down payment and they owe us $80,000, we might spread that over 15 years to make their payments affordable. Because gotcha. even over 15 years, it's still going to be about a $900 payment. And the interest rate we charge, that's another beauty. You don't have to charge like what the banks charge right now, like 4 or 5%. Uh, we charge 11.9% on our land deals. Love it. Land deals. Because again, the banks don't like to lend on land. They usually don't. So if somebody doesn't have the cash, they uh, we're the only game in town. So yeah. we can charge really what we want. You and also we don't check the credit. Yeah, go ahead, please. You, you hold all of the leverage at that point in time. We, we hold all the leverage. We don't abuse of it, but we also don't check their credit. And if somebody gives me twenty percent down, I might drop the uh, drop the drop the rate to uh, to eight percent or so. Right. So I'm negotiable on that. And on our website, when we sell our properties to our website, we say if you give us a thousand percent, thousand dollars down, it's eleven point nine. If you give us uh, two thousand down, it's uh, on a typical, let's say, at a a $15,000 deal. Uh, you give us $2,000 down, it's a 10.9. If you give us $4,000 down, it's 8% it's eight right? So we can play with that because you're the freaking bank. You can do whatever you want as long as it's legal. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's honestly, that's why I love seller financing. You know, uh, we do it on, on homes and in you are right. I mean, there are more hurdles to jump through, uh, but this is a great point when it comes to land. And the fact that, you know, more often than not, the banks do not want to lend on it. You're holding really all of the leverage if they don't have the cash. And you can be very negotiable and make it where it works for both you in the long run, but also for your buyer and give them the terms that they want to, to make it a successful transaction. So that's that's very creative. With your students, how when do you tell them to go down this path compared to the one-time money path? Um, is it immediate or do they need to wait so they can get that those large chunks of money in their bank before they try to create the long-term cash flow? It depends. It depends on their own financial situation. Right, we just, we just, uh, I just, um, one of our students uh, who's also in our mentoring, he, uh, he just is a dentist and he just uh, literally even sold his practice because he's so successful in his deals already. He just bought a property last week for 4,000, sold it the next day for 25,000. Nice. So uh, the, 
he has because of his income as a in his profession he had the ability early on already to do seller financing deals now that wasn't one that i just talked about but there's some other seller financing deals that he've done that he's done so if you have a good income already in your job in your in your life then uh there's nothing wrong with doing seller financing deals uh right away even if you don't uh, actually get much cash back like we just we just last two weeks ago sold a deal that we bought for eight thousand dollars and we sold it for forty seven thousand dollars but we got a only a fifteen hundred dollar down payment so we're obviously out sixty five hundred dollars still now you can't do that if you have no cash so the right. students that have come to us with very little cash we obviously ask them do not do seller financing right now just do just do cash deals, wholesale deals, build up your cash, pay down your debt and so on. So you can do that. So you can invest in yourself too. You can, uh, you can get some more education and do some more things, but more than anything, so you get your head above the water. If you already have some cash available in your life, then do the seller financing right from the beginning. We got a couple of German students that, that are uh, doing this. And by the way, that deal with $47,000, we'll have our money back in 1.4 years on that deal. It's still not bad. I mean, right. I get a hundred percent return off my capital in one point four years. That's better than having the money in the bank at at quarter percent. Absolutely. So let me ask you this: yeah. in in twenty nineteen, I, I don't think there's a more hot topic across all of the markets of what is happening in the marketplace today. Are we seeing a correction? Are we seeing another crash coming? Um, you know, everybody's kind of tightening up. They're, they're just curious as to what's happening. What does a downturn in the real estate market do to land investors or does it have any impact at all on land investors? Uh, it does. So, uh, it does, but, uh, to say that I, I agree with, um, with your assessment that the market is changing. I right. don't know if I agree with the assessment that there might be a severe downturn my opinion is, and i belong to a mastermind with over 130 other real estate mostly house flippers that do 100 plus deals a year and we just had a meeting in december where we uh where we did, where we had all kinds of national experts uh where they brought uh, the the host of that brought, uh, brought all kinds of national experts on that subject and the consensus was that the market uh, that we don't expect the market to do a sharp downturn. We expect what, what really people are seeing is the market going back to finally being a normal market. We haven't right. had a normal market in 15 years. Like in, in, if you look at it, 2004, it's 15 years ago, uh, the market started accelerating like crazy. And then in 2007, 8, 9, it started crashing like crazy. Then it lingered at the bottom for two, three years, and then it started roaring back again. We haven't had a market where it is normal to have a house or a property on the market for 90 days before it sells. We haven't had a market where it's normal to not get uh, to 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 actually have to wait for an offer. And 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 a market where you get uh, 25 offers in the first day is not a normal market. So I think we're going back to a normal market. And if that's the case, then I don't think there will be any effect on our land business. If the market, however, crashes a lot. Then I've seen what happens because we have done deals before the boom. We have done deals since 2002. We have done deals before the boom, during the boom, after the boom, during the crash, after the crash, and on the way up. And what we can say is that actually the market correction in land happens about half a year to one year after the house event. But it depends on what kind of land. 
the land that the big builders are buying, that land actually starts going down in value before the housing market goes down because the builders see the signs uh, of the, uh, the see the writing on the wall and they stop buying. And that's why that value goes down. But we are not dealing with builders usually. Our bread and butter are these properties in the outskirts of time in the rural areas. We're building with B2, uh, B2B, uh, not B2C, like business to consumer. We're selling to consumers. And the consumers only feel the impact of a recession about half a year, a year later. And that's when they uh, slow down in buying, or at least in prices. So what we saw during the big fat recession uh, is that it took about a year, a half a year to a year before we started a slowdown in interest in these properties, but we were still be able to buy, to sell properties all through the downturn. We just had to price them lower, but here's the nice part. Because the market has gone down, we were also paying to be able to buy them even lower. Right. So instead of paying six for a property and selling it for 25, we bought it for three and sold it for 15. So our margins were a little bit smaller, but we were able to continue through this all, all, all with uh, all through the re depression, recession, uh, and and all the different pieces. But personally, I don't expect that to happen. The underwriting rules have been way too strict over the last ten years. Uh, the reserve requirements for the banks. I mean, there's 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 no liar loans going on. No no income, no problem kind of loans. Right. Or even if they're available, you have to put like thirty to forty percent down. So. The banks are in much better shape, I believe, this time around, and I don't think there's going to be such a meltdown. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the the way I've kind of been saying it is, I think it's just going to be a more realistic market than what we've been seeing, especially in like our two markets that we're that we live in, Phoenix and Dallas. Uh, both of those have just been astronomical, you know, and and just pushing the boundaries. I think it's just going to be a little bit more real and, and normal than, than it has been. Uh, but you know, the other thing about if there was a correction or a softening in the market, um, I would assume that land would be the first thing that if, uh, uh just an individual is feeling the pressure of what's happening in the economy, the first thing they want to get rid of is just a piece of land that is doing nothing for them except costing them property taxes every year. I mean, wouldn't it, it, do you see that in, yeah, in kind so, of a correction where they they feel like they just want to get, get rid of it and give it away? Yeah, there's a, usually a little bit of delay until people realize that the market is not high anymore. But once they realize that the market has actually changed, you can swoop up so many amazing bargain deals, you won't even believe it. And on the selling side, people are still out there because even in the Great Recession, as they call it, we only had a unemployment rate of whatever it was, like 8 to 10% or so. So that right. means 90% of people, 92% of people still had jobs. So if, of course, I mean, it sounds kind of bad. Of course, the country was hit hard, but... But those with regular jobs still had money, and those with regular jobs and 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 steady and and, and decent good industries still still made money, and they kept they kept buying our properties, and they were actually uh, the smart ones bought uh, bought even a lot of properties back then because prices were so low. They're reselling their properties right now at a profit. So gotcha. uh, so so yes, you can do that. The one thing that did happen a lot that in about 2011, like uh, when we got, we started seeing that uh, a higher percentage of of people who we extended the sale of financing to, they started needing help. So there's a there's there, there was an impact on that end. 
that we had about 15, 20% of our loans default at that time, but not more, not all of them, not half of them, just 15, 20%. And actually a lot of them, we were actually, that was a really cool, fun, fun part. A lot of them we were able to still rescue by doing what the banks were doing, which is what? Loan modifications. Because you think about it, you are the bank now. So right. if somebody's in trouble with their loan, we, we, we didn't foreclose. We just called them up and said, like, hey, what's going on? It's like, yeah, I've, I've lost my job. I've there, but or I have a different job now that pays me less. I can't really make that $500 payment anymore. It's like, well, what can you make? Would you like to keep that property if we make it work? And they're like, yeah, I would love it. Love to keep it. It's like, okay, what can you afford? Well, I can afford $280. It's like, okay, so we stretched the loan, reduced the interest rate. We perhaps forgave some of the loan because prices had gone down, but uh, we still made it a very profitable deal for us. Because if we would have had to foreclose on it, we would have had some cost, a little bit cost involved, and we would have been able to sell it for like half of the value versus in this case, we were actually only giving them like a 20% discount on their note and we're still making much more. They were happy, we were happy, and uh, we were able to rescue a lot of those. So, so there's ways even in a downturn, you can make this business work very well. I think that's brilliant what you just said. I mean, that that right there is, you know, you're adjusting to the market, you're adjusting to the situation, and you're turning what most people would consider a, a negative into a potential positive. So that that's incredible what you just said there about, you know, offering the loan modifications. I've actually never heard somebody say that about seller financing before. You know, I kind of the the prototypical statement is, is, well, you know, if they don't make the payments, you get to take the property back and foreclose on them. You know, nobody ever says, you know, think outside the box there and yeah. and try to keep them in it. And, and it could even be better for you in the end. So yeah. for everybody that's listening and we, we've mentioned your education program multiple times, uh, where can they find out more information and what does that program look like exactly? Okay. Uh, you can go to www.landprofitgenerator.com and uh, or you can also uh, and, and check out, there's like a couple of videos you can watch and things like that. And there's uh, free stuff that you can get there. Uh, and also we have a Facebook group that is called uh, Land Profit Generator Real Estate Group. And uh, that is uh, where all our successful students are. All our, most of our students are hanging out there. And literally just in the last four days, there were like deals reported from $5,000 to $50,000, multiple deals, $25,000 deals, $40,000 deals. I mean, it's like it's uh, the success rate of our students right now is literally off the charts. We just did a live event three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and we had... Uh, and we had literally like 50 people in the room doing multiple deals. And there were like five deals happening while the weekend was going on. So what our, <laughs> our course, uh, what our program is, it's basically, it's a, it's an online home study course that uh, that is complete A to Z. So it's not like one of these half courses where the, then you need all kinds of other stuff to succeed. Uh, literally, it's it's a course that you can, uh, you can check it out on, on Land Profit Generator on there. We've been... Uh, I, I, we, I probably believe we have about a tenfold, uh, 10 times higher success rate than most people out there. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, I am honored to have you on here. You have an incredible story. Um, a couple other things where people can find out more about you. You have your, your best-selling book, Forever Cash, and then also you have your podcast, Forever Cash Life, and it's the real estate podcast. So, um, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us, sharing your story. Um, and, and for people that want to connect with you, uh, what's, what social media platform is the best for people to follow you on? 
I would think either Instagram under uh, Jack Bosch or uh, again Land Profit Generator. Um, or on the or on Facebook in our group, I would think. Or you can also follow the Jack Bosch page. Um, again, it's B O S C H. There's a C in the middle. And um, but again, our, uh, I, I post most of the stuff. We have this this Facebook group, which is free. That is uh, completely uh, mega interactive. Like there's there's probably 10, 15 posts a day, and and uh, each post has like between five and 25 comments on it. So. It's really it's a great it's a great place to peek behind to to kind of look over our shoulders and see if this stuff really works and and follow us and just before we we created this podcast here I did a live video to our to our group sharing like a weekly update and things like that but you can go either Instagram Jack Bosch Land Profit Generator uh, two two different profiles or you can go um, you can go the Facebook group or or the Facebook page uh, usually those two platforms is the ones I use most well there you go man. Uh, for most of my listeners, I assume that they're currently investing in properties themselves. And like you said, with land, there's no tenants, there's no toilets, there's no termites, which means no repairs, no inspections, no mold, and no contractors. And exactly you right. showed us today how to create passive income with that. So for that, I'm eternally grateful. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to, to doing some of this myself. I've done some land deals before, but uh, I've never sell a finance them before. So uh, let's see how long it takes me to do one so I can report back to you and say, hey, there you go, Jack. You taught me how to do this on the podcast. That sounds exciting. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you for joining us, everybody. That's our show for today. Uh, remember, uh, if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anything like that, please leave us a review so we can get the word out to more people. Jack, thanks for sitting down with us today, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. Titanium Vault.